G'day, Tilda Joy here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nations and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. This episode was recorded in isolation for 3CR Community Radio and broadcast nationally by the Community Radio Network. This week we've got a jam-packed show covering the launch of the anti-austerity life campaign, Living Incomes for Everyone, as well as a recent meeting of the Grassroots NTEU Fight Back campaign, which is fighting against concessions and complacency within the Tertiary Education Sector's union. We haven't got much time for news this week, but a quick shout-out to Woolworths Distribution Centre workers who've been locked out of their workplace after taking industrial action with the United Workers' Union. This has left supermarkets in so-called New South Wales with shelves bare as these essential workers have been shut out from the job. The workers and their union had taken precautions not to disrupt the supply of groceries to the public in this uncertain time. Unfortunately, Woolworths does not share the same sensitivities and has chosen to use this uncertainty to gain leverage in bargaining. We're going to start the show today with a clip from the Living Incomes for Everyone, or LIFE, campaign launch on the 21st of July. The LIFE campaign is a collaborative effort from groups such as the Australian Unemployed Workers Union, the Anti-Poverty Network, the Say No 7, disability advocates, trade unions and housing advocacy groups, including the Renters and Housing Union in so-called Victoria, a new tenants union formed in the fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic. Right here we have Tim Kennedy, the National Secretary of the United Workers Union, speaking in support of the campaign and outlining its relevance to the modern workers' movement. Just a brief description of the union, the United Workers Union, of which um, it's my privilege to be the uh, National Secretary. Uh, we're a new union. Uh, we're the product of an amalgamation uh, undertaken by a democratic uh, process by about 150,000 workers last year. We came into existence on Armistice Day last year. Uh, and we want to be a union that can reinvigorate the worker voice and worker power again in this country to make certain that workers... Uh, can actually participate not only in the workplace but actually play a role in their communities, in their, in their societies and also have a political voice to make certain that working people uh, are heard but also that they can take action to change their lives and build some agency. Uh, we also want to have a very broad notion of work. Uh, we have a view that traditional notions of work uh, is something that we organise around, but we also want to stand in solidarity with unpaid caring work and, and also to stand with those who are locked out of work uh, because together we, can, uh, together we can actually build a social movement that can change things. Uh, we are fundamentally not about advocacy. advocacy. We're about organising and taking action. That's what uh, our union is about. In actual fact, there will be uh, strike action commencing at Wyong on the central coast of New South Wales on Friday against one of the major retailers in this country. And it's about the fundamental issues that workers need, dignity and safety at work, and also need to win a measure of, of the wages, of, of the profits that they generate for that company. So, you know, we also are a union that represents workers that actually have fundamentally, we say, been forgotten by government. So all those uh, policy prescriptions that Eileen uh, described, many of our members uh, aren't really part of those answers. So we, we represent uh, workers in a range of industries, uh, especially in the fresh food supply chain, uh, visa workers, international students, casual workers, all have been thrown on the scrap heap by this government 
Uh, this is not a government that says that we will put a hand out for everyone in this country. There is not universal uh, uh, solidarity. There is not social solidarity to look after all those people. And our union's been working hard to make certain that we can look after those, uh, those people. Um, in broad terms, I'll just quickly also point out that what we have found is that crises like the one we're in at the moment, which began as a health crisis, but quickly turning into a, an economic crisis and a social crisis. Uh, and you can see that uh, there's an opportunity for us to address a, a, a range of issues. Uh, uh, and, and one of those issues that was, you know, addressed in recent times was the Black Lives Matter uh, efforts by a broad, broad range of people. And it's something that is relevant to our country, as we heard from Wayne before. What these crises have a have the power to do is to reveal and deepen the existing problems, inequalities, tensions, contradictions that exist in our, in our society. And uh, I think it's a, a point well made by Eileen is that uh, working people in this country uh, and the working class in this country were already in a crisis before COVID-19 struck this country. Even before the bushfires hit this country, we were in a crisis. We we're in a crisis of precarious work we're in a crisis of strangulation of wages. We're in a crisis of loss of power for working people to actually have a say and have some agency and in changing their lives and actually actually have some independence rather than being dictated to by the powers that be about who's worthy and who's not worthy in this country to be looked after. And so what this pandemic's revealed to our union and it's certainly uh, revealed to, I think, Australia at large now is the depths of the inequalities and fundamental flaws about the way our society is organised and issues such as entrenched poverty wages and insecure work and loss of bargaining power uh, also have put out, in a, in, a, in, a, in a strange sense, it's also on the flip side that highlight, highlighted how important the work that our members do every day really is. Workers in the care sector, workers who work across uh, hospitals, aged care, early childhood education and care, uh, through to security and cleaning, through to the uh, food production, logistics, uh, fresh food, food processing, uh, manufacturing, uh, all these areas are fundamentally low-paid areas where insecure work predominates. And these are the areas uh, that in this crisis have been highlighted as fundamental to our society working. So people doing the work of the greatest social value are often getting paid the lowest wages and that's also pricked our conscience in the sense that a lot of people doing the greatest social value aren't paid at all, and we need to stand in solidarity with those people. Uh, so we saw the crisis as an opportunity in some respects to think about can we develop a movement and, and stand in solidarity for movement to tackle these issues. Uh, and while, you know, we have seen a federal government at the, at the beginning of the crisis do everything that's counterintuitive to what it believes in, it is now getting its balance back, if I can put that, and it's starting to, to begin to Im implement a program of austerity, a program of actually set, dividing workers up on who is legitimate and who's not legitimate. Uh, we have a situation today where they've actually changed JobKeeper to be less than the minimum wage. Uh, so all of a sudden, the whole idea of the minimum wage means nothing in this country. I mean, they're basically going to say, we'll determine whether you're legitimate or not and whether you're a good boy or girl or not. And that's that's the problem uh, that we need to struggle against. Um, 
we recognise that you know, we need to look ahead with new ideas, uh, new solutions, rather than trying to return to a pre-COVID world that is not in the interests of working people. And that is one of the fundamental motivations why we want to stand in solidarity with uh, movements such as, as uh, living incomes for everyone. We want to see if we can break the status quo. We, rather than lurch from you know, one crisis to the next, we want to see if workers and their unions can successfully confront the reality of a broken capitalist system and start laying the foundations for what comes next. Because, and Eileen also referred to this, and I think it's a point well made, is that we've been in a crisis at least since the uh, global financial crisis of 2007, 2008, there has been no recovery for working class people. The system doesn't work. And, and we need to kind of step up and say, what can we do? How can we start to chart a new course, set a new direction and organise around it that is ambitious, that is uh, optimistic, positive, <laughs> what we can do for working people in their lives generally. And to this end, you know, we did develop what we believe to be the blueprint or the beginnings of a manifesto around the goal of rebuilding worker power. And, and we started that in late March and we still need to work on that as a union, but also as part of an ongoing conversation with people who share our values about a path forward. Um, one of the things that I've learned being a, a union organiser for most of my life is that the best ideas are meaningless if no one will organise and fight for them. Uh, and so many of our ideas that we've started to develop, we need to engage with working people who are our members uh, and to start to uh, think of actions that we can take together to basically organise around issues of income, around ownership, around investment and around social solidarity and rebuilding that in our country. We start always from the premise uh, that the status quo we have today is untenable. Uh, and every element in our response as a union has to be predicated on rejecting the notion that support for reform or support for something new needs to be based on how privileged you were on entering this crisis. Uh, as I indicated, uh, we also need to kind of recognise who this crisis is hitting. Uh, and we are focused on the fundamental rights of young people who are disproportionately hit by this crisis, but another element of this crisis becoming even more evident, especially uh, in our experience in our union, is the impact on, on a particular gender, on, on, on women in this crisis who are fundamentally carrying the burden of this crisis, who are in the care sectors of the economy where most of the jobs have been lost, in the service sector of the economy where most of the jobs have been lost. Uh, and some of the uh, data that we've got in terms of people being forced to go to the superannuation accounts is disproportionately uh, women have had to go there and they've spent all that money on just food and energy bills, uh, whereas some of the data I've seen, some of our young men have spent it on gambling and booze, but you know, there you go. Uh, but that's, that, that is also a different issue that we can come back to at another time. Uh, as indicated earlier, we want to make certain that, 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 that the value of social work, both performed in the in the paid formal workforce and outside of it is something that we need to organise around. That's why issues of a, a guaranteed livable income is very important for us to develop and to actually see if we can struggle and win these things. Uh, without uh, people having uh, security, and that is, you know, my security is bound up 
in your security, and that comes both in terms of economic security as well as health security, uh, that, that they're very important things. So I would like to kind of just finish on, on, on one thing, is that we believe in the importance of social movement building. Uh, we believe that the actions that have been undertaken by uh, your uh campaign is very important and we're pleased to be here tonight to support it. You're listening to Stick Together, recorded for 3CR Community Radio and coming to your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. Up next, we've got some highlights from a recent public meeting of the NTEU Fight Back campaign, attended by NTEU members across the country. The meeting was about the struggle to beat back job cuts and cuts to pay in the university sector and discussing how to transform NTEU branches into a fighting force over the coming months. We're going to hear from Katie, Alma and Liam, all NTEU members, about their visions for the future. Um, it's not just the weekly announcements um, about, you know, another university sacking um, hundreds of staff. Um, it's also the... Um, in a lot of ways, unrecorded um, job losses that are going on with um, casualised and fixed-term staff um, contract uh, staff losing their losing their contracts. And I don't know if you saw, but the Victorian division of the NTU um, said that they think that um, nearly seven and a half thousand people in Victoria alone um, have uh, lost their jobs since um, the pandemic outrage. Um, I'm appalled by the government, I'm appalled by the university vice-chancellors and I continue to be um, outraged by our union um, leadership as well because the uh, crisis that's going on at the moment isn't um, a crisis that has to happen. Um, It was a crisis the making um, of all of um, these uh, people. And to go back to the union leadership, I think it's still important to say that the job protection framework, um, while it obviously didn't cause the collapse in international student numbers um, that precipitated the crisis, it did signal to our vice chancellors um, that their first out um, in in this crisis um, could be uh, going after staff conditions. The concessions that were flagged by our union haven't saved jobs. At UNSW, for instance, a thousand staff volunteered to go down to um, 0.8 um, EFT, that or 0.8 um, of their position. Um, in other words, taking a 20% pay cut. Um, and yet, even after that, the vice chancellor announced that they were sacking nearly 500 staff. And this is at a university that's pushing ahead still um, with a campus that's going to cost one billion dollars, a new campus. I think UNSW is a clear example that job can't job cuts aren't a necessity, um, they're a choice. So it shows that we desperately need a fighting, uh, we need fighting union branches, ones that will do their best to protect every job and condition. A lot of the approach with uh, any kind of kind of restructure or mass job losses is that they're inevitable, that the bosses have the right to manage, etc. Um, but I just think that one of the first well, pretty much the first step to fighting any job losses is actually drawing a clear line and saying, no, we've got a right to a livelihood. So in 2012, our uh, then newish uh, vice chancellor uh, drew up uh, basically a list of hundreds of academics who, um, according to him, were not performing. Um, 
they pretty much put a hit list on people. We organized a big campaign. We had mass union meetings. We had mass rallies on campus. One of our biggest rallies was 1,500 people under the vice chancellor's uh, window. Uh, we had workplace meetings um, and we even had a student occupation I was reminded of the other day. Uh, and yeah, it was an incredible, colorful campaign. And actually we managed to save most of those people's jobs. Um, I'm involved in a campaign uh, at the moment at Sydney Uni uh, to save International House. So there's about 14 staff there losing their jobs or at, at risk of losing their jobs. And we're using the clauses that we have in our enterprise bargaining agreement uh, around change management. So there are holes in those clauses. Um, management have a lot of, you know, ways they can screw us over, but they can still be used to slow things down, uh, to challenge the restructure, to buy us the extremely valuable time that we need to organize a political campaign. But I think, yeah, we should acknowledge that obviously right now in this crisis, the biggest job losses are happening amongst uh, precarious staff. So casual staff members and fixed term staff members who are losing their jobs in the thousands across the country. Um, I just the other day I heard about a story where a friend in Victoria was told that um, her class size was going to be doubled from 30 to 60, uh, essentially uh, getting rid of a full person's uh, job. Um, and, you know, there was no like huge campaign or anything, but basically the uh, she kicked up a fuss about it and it meant that uh, management backed down because they were like, oh no, this, this person is actually fighting me. A larger campaign actually uh, is the one at Sydney Uni where um, hundreds of casuals in the Faculty of Arts and Social Science have been told that they're losing work next semester. They have organized one of the most impressive casuals campaigns that I have ever seen. Uh, one of their meetings a few weeks ago had around 400 staff grilling the vice chancellor and the dean of arts um, and yeah that was the fact that that campaign continues week after week is a victory in itself because most people get demoralized and give up early on i think the most important point is we need more strikes in australia um, plenty of university unions across the world take a lot more strike action than we do here um, so, for example, the UCU shut down the entire university system in Britain for two weeks um, in February of this year. Uh, they struck over pay, workload, casualization, and equity, so uh, wanting to close the gender gap and the ethnic pay gap. Um, as far as the NTU um, goes, so probably the 2013 strikes at Sydney Uni are the most uh, kind of sustain, uh, sustained level of strike action we've seen in our sector. Um, the campaign in 2013 was fought over pretty much the entire EBA. Um, and it had come obviously uh, shortly after the massive dispute over jobs in 2012. Uh, so management essentially tried to rip up the EBA, give us a pay cut, get rid of our sick leave days, uh, write the union out of the agreement. Um, and all, all sorts of attacks. Um, so we had, again, mass meetings uh, where we voted to go on strike. Uh, we ended up striking for a total of seven days. We set up picket lines across campus uh, and shut the place down. Um, we ended up winning our pay rise 
uh, and our agreement. But the most important victory really was that we um, activated the membership um, and a whole new layer of people learned the importance of strike action and not just uh, striking and staying at home, but actually picketing. Because that's another thing that's different. Like the lack of strikes in Australia and the lack of strikes in the university sector in Australia is not the product of a poor membership that, you know, is not engaged or just doesn't want to fight. Actually, in my experience um, from the 2013 and 2017 strikes has been that the biggest barrier is actually the conservative union leadership. So whilst striking is something that happens, actually both of those times, the, it was the union leadership that wound the strikes up, I think prematurely. We could have gotten more both in 2013 and both in 2017. In both of those EBA uh, rounds, I argued that we needed to continue fighting. And if we are gonna put up a fight uh, for funding for the sector, for all of our colleagues to get their jobs back, uh, to have proper clauses about job security, whether that's about conversion, uh, ratios, um, and actual job security for staff who are uh, permanent, then we are going to have to have a massive strike campaign everywhere across the country. But it's also, you know, in the middle of a crisis, it's precisely when it matters to be against concessions because that's when management are going to go hardest after them. You know, it's probably easy to be against concessions when, you know, in the good times. Although it's worth saying, even in the good times, those bastards were after us. Even in the good times, they wanted to t- cut pay, cut conditions, slash jobs, you know. Uh, it's they never gave us anything you know out of the the generosity or benevolence of their heart we've always had to fight for everything but when the crisis hits and it poses that question about who's going to pay or who's going to be made to pay you know is it going to come out of the profits of the bosses or is it going to come out of the pockets of the workers that's when it matters that you can have a union that's prepared to have a you know a, a firm position on this and say we are not going to pay it matters that we can continue to try to organize resistance and continue to try to fight this uh, even if we don't win everything, you know, even if we only win a couple or, you know, even if we go down in flames, it's what matters is that we, we start, it will continue to organise collective resistance. That matters because we're trying to build up. What we need to do is build up uh, out the fighting capacity of our union, the organisational strength, the, you know, the kind of class, class struggle, basic defiance that we need. Uh, and we need to build that up, build those muscles up on the ground through actually fighting. You know, through actually saying, well, we're going to say no, we're going to fight your concessioning agenda, we're going to fight for every dollar and every job, and yeah, we might lose, but we'll go down swinging and we'll come out stronger. The biggest obstacle we've had in recent months, remember, is our own union leadership. You know, they're the ones who are pursuing this agenda, and we stand for a whole new vision of what uh, the NTU should be, that it should be that sort of strong fighting union that doesn't just cower and cave in in front of the boss's demands. And these are just the lessons from the last few months. If you look at the lessons of the bigger history here and how our union movement has always fought and always grown, those moments where unionists have been able to build something new and strong out of the struggle, uh, they've never done that by giving away concessions. You know, this is one of the one of the defining lessons of history that you have to you have to start from getting the basic question right, which is which says we are not going to accept uh, cuts to pay and conditions. We're going to fight. You know, we might not win, but we're going to bloody well fight. We all got a letter from our assistant national secretary, Gabe Gooding. Uh, about a week or so ago saying, oh, you know, it looks like some of us are being forced back to work. Remember to use hand sanitizer. And if you have an issue, contact your HSR. And this is pathetic. It's scandalously pathetic. You know, this not only is it people, is it showing, you know, flagrant disregard for the actual health and safety of members and the community, 
but it's also, it's also, as I said, missing that vital opportunity that we need to seize to actually turn this into an act of collective resistance. If we're serious about building a fighting union, then everything has to point towards uh, serious industrial action. You know, industrial action that our, and like he was just saying, serious industrial action, industrial action that, that the sector has never really seen. Even the amazing strike at Sydney Uni that Elmer was describing in detail before, you know, awesome as it was, we need to sort of aim at replicating that and then some. You know, the sort of, like I said, the sort of strikes that none of our employers has ever, has ever seen. Crippling strikes. You know, the strikes that don't just say, oh, we'll be off today and then come back tomorrow. But imagine a strike that says, we're going to shut this whole campus down and it'll stay shut until we get what we're after. That's it for Stick Together this week. Stick Together is produced for 3CR Community Radio in so-called Melbourne. Stick Together is made possible through the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and we come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. We're going to play you out this week with a performance from Mark Seymour who joins a live campaign launched via Zoom to thump out this little number. My name's Tilda Joy. Remember, wherever you are or whatever you do, there's a union for you. Until next time, stick together. My name is Eddie, I'm a worn man now But I know where I was that day Hiding from the foreman at the base of the tower When I saw the mighty bridge give way Bolts started snapping on the western span They sounded like machine gun fire You should have heard her when she came down The wind blew me over the wire And a cold wind blows Down by the river where nobody goes Hell broke free when the bridge came down When the bridge came down We took it to the engineers And made them look up from their plans Said something about rust and a difference in camber and buckles in the western span. We went back on the job that day. Well, they swore blue murder, she could never come down. I got away with six broken ribs. I'm the luckiest man around. And a cold wind blows. Down by the river where nobody goes Hell broke free when the bridge came down When the bridge came down You think you're gonna come back alive You kiss your wife and your kids goodbye But you know you're gonna play to survive Sometimes I lie awake at night And I think about the ones who died The riggers and the chippies and the boys